Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go Inside the Coach's Headset. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Coach's Headset. I'm your host, Amos Rogan. We're brought to you by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. And you are listening to Inside the Coach's Headset Podcast on ucsportsnation.com, your one-stop shop for all high school sports here in the Upper Cumberland. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Again, I want to say thank you to everyone who is still working through these, uh, these questionable and what is now called uncertain times. Uh, right now so all the medical workers truck drivers uh, mail carriers package delivery grocery workers everybody thank you thank you for what you're doing thank you for continuing to keep our economy going at some semblance and we just appreciate everybody everybody else who's staying at home we hope that the next 30 minutes is the best 30 minutes you'll be listening to all day long so thanks very much for everybody for listening. Remember, we are on Facebook at Inside the Coach's Headset Podcast. Just search by that and you should pull it up. Join our page and let us know how we're doing and who you would like for us to talk to in future episodes. Today's guest is the head coach of the White County High School track and field team, head coach Brian Everett. Coach Everett, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Mr. Rogan. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um as I as I kind of open up every podcast here, I, I want to uh, uh, give you an opportunity. Just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into uh, coaching track and field, and, and and what got you to this point today. Well, um, I was a, uh, a a student at Tennessee Tech. Before that, I was at Rome State and played. Two years of baseball, ninety-eight through two thousand season, transferred to Tennessee Tech, and um, met my wife. Well, really, we had known each other before, but um, met each other again and uh, graduated from Tennessee Tech. And the uh, one of my internships, one of my uh, student teaching jobs, was at White County, hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed all the teachers that I was with, and uh, luckily. Um, my wife, who was a school psychologist in Warren County at the time, had done her internship at White County as well. And so the principal at the time, you know, asked if, uh, actually asked my wife if she would come back and work. And she said, uh, you know, I would love to, you know. And, and so we, we kind of, a job opened up for me in the psychology and government. And so I took it and, um, that's how I got into teaching. So 17 years will be completed this May as I head into my 18th year next year. Wow. Um, how did I get into track? Well, I was, uh, I was a assistant football coach for four or five years under Coach Dickie Brown. I coached the freshman team and uh, receivers one year. And uh, at the same time, I was an assistant coach in baseball. And... Um, Took a couple years off after about five or six years of coaching um, and, and had a couple of kids. And really, um, after that stand of coaching for about six to eight years, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get back into coaching. I was, had a lot of 
other interest. Um, but anyway, um, Coach Crane saw me in the hall and said, hey, man, uh, you've been out of it for a while. Would you like to be the track coach? And I knew nothing about track. I told him, I said, I don't know a thing about track other than I tried to pole vault my senior year. Uh, the coach needed a pole vaulter, and I was terrible. Um, but that's all I know about track. And he says, well, would you try it? And so I tried it, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it, it took a year or two to try to figure things out. Um, but I have really changed my perspective on track programs as a whole. And, you know, again, track doesn't really get a whole lot of, of notoriety. Uh, it's it's probably one of the sports that probably go on, and, and unless your kid is participating in it, you, you yeah. <laughs> unfortunately you probably don't pay a whole lot of attention to. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your your kids, your athletes. Yeah, um, I, I know, and unfortunately, because of everything that's going on right now with the coronavirus, yeah, more than likely track is not going to happen this year. Um, yeah, I don't see it. Uh, I, I, uh, our last our last actual meet regular meet was scheduled for 428 we don't come back until oh okay scheduled for may 1st that depends on what the governor says i guess this afternoon so um yeah i can't imagine they can cram any kind of qualifying into such a short time yeah i I don't either for any spring sports for that matter no maybe 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 softball baseball but may and i think that's only maybe district and regional tournaments so they can have a state championship you would have you were right you'd have to get right into that for those guys right um but they did have a few games under their belts uh talk and, and i know your program um saw quite a few kids come out this year that unfortunately doesn't look like they're going to get to participate but uh i know that that the track and field in white county has has it's been tough only because of the facilities or the lack thereof uh, that you've had to deal with. In a lot of cases, you have to go elsewhere or at least off campus to do a whole lot of training when it comes to having meets and things of that nature. Talk to us a little bit about how the program has progressed. And and I want to say 44 kids came out this year, which is probably unprecedented. As long as I've been there, I haven't seen that many kids. Um, the first year I took it over, I, you know, I, I, I did not really, it was at the last minute, it was a January, February call. And, um, you know, I think I had maybe 15 kids show up and I think maybe 10 that we were taking, you know, on, on trips, um, to meets. And I think we went up about seven, eight the next year to about 15 or 16 consistent kids. And then last year went up to about 22, 18 to 22 consistent kids. I'd say got, you know, uh, gentlemen and the ladies that actually um, lettered five meets or more Uh, to this year, 44. And I just, uh, I think that's probably due. Well, I know it's due to the quality of kids that we had on the team before. And those, you know, this is sounds like, you know, probably what a lot of coaches say, um, but it's so true that what a you know I would have had by far the best roster of just kids um, that I've ever had in any sport, and I've had a lot of good kids. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they they really the the juniors and seniors that were out there coming back this year, and even the sophomores 
had brought a lot of their friends and another, you know, just more quality kids out there, and it just sort of exploded. I really had to stop with about 40. Um, I think 44 on the roster. It looked like about 37, 38 were going to be pretty consistent. And uh, that fills up a bus. And, and that's really more than I can handle. Um, but at the same time, um, if it's a lot of fun. Um, it makes practices, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, they're hectic. But, uh, you know, I'm going to attribute the explosion to all the kids, the quality of kids that actually brought out, you know, more good kids. That's great. That was the biggest thing. That that's that's great, and, and you know, a lot of these kids, I know at least one because yes, she belongs to me. Um, never done it before in her life, and, and she she come uh, and she come over one day to eat supper, and she said, "I want to run track." And I said, "What?" <laughs> I, just, I thought you hate running. What are what are you doing? And uh, no, I mean she, and I think it was just like you said. Uh, these kids who kind of recruited their own teammates to come out and, and, and do it. They did. And, you do, you know, when you have if, – if one quality kid brings out two friends, uh, they're usually hanging out with quality people too. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, we, we – our numbers jump. We get a lot of uh, a lot of kids that, you know, they want to finish up their senior year um, competing and their basketball's over and the football's over. And, hey, I'll take them. Uh, you know, they're, they've, they've worked out with all these teams and they want to go out and have some fun. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I know track isn't on the radar for a lot of people except for parents. And I get that. I completely get it. Um, but it allows us to go out, compete, uh, no pressure. And you would be surprised the kids that show up for the bus when um, there's not that pressure. The pressure enough is on them just competing. Mm-hmm. And, um and other than that, it's it's a good day, you know. Every day is a good day. Yeah, and I I, I kind of look at track, especially from a high school standpoint, in in two different ways. You've got those true I want to be good at hurdles, mm-hmm. or you know some of the other field events, shot put, discus, you know javelin, those types of things. Some of the other kids is I'm running track because I'm trying to stay in shape for football or I'm trying to stay in shape Absolutely. for basketball. Um, you know, how many of those kids in, in, in previous years as well, how much of a mix have you seen with those types of kids coming in for different purposes and wanting to compete? I have about 50% of the kids that track may be their only sport. I, let me Let me back that up. Probably about 40% of the kids. Um, track is their only sport, and 60% are in other sports. Um, my my basketball kids, girls and, and, and boys basketball players, um, I'll just throw out some names, I guess. Um, Morgan Quick, Candon and Kendria Reeves, mm-hmm. um, your daughter Hannah, um, Tia Simmons, who is a swimmer, all those uh with the exception of Hannah, I think are in different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison Correa, a junior doing soccer. Um, I got band kids. I got a, I've got two kids that play tennis that split their time and they come and do shot put for 20 or 30 minutes and go to tennis practice. So, um, I, it's probably about a 40, 60 split, 40% of the kids are, I, I call them just trackies that, that, you know, come out and practice their sport all year long or, you know, whatever. 
Um, but most of my kids, the majority of my kids, um, I'm, I'm robbing from other disciplines um, in the school, and which is great because it allows me not to worry. But you mentioned it. I don't have to worry about getting them in shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Mitchell has the boys in shape. Uh, Coach Dodgen has the girls in shape. And so they can do their workouts, and then they can come and practice, let's say, the relay once or twice a week. And I can focus on the kids that aren't in shape and are just track kids, and we'll have a little more of a discipline practice for them. So um, you have to handle it loose because you have a lot of different moving parts. But I couldn't do it without the other co- – and football as well. Um, Coach Frazier, the last time we spoke, we were in the field house, and uh, he, he said, hey, I got some – I got two kids that can run sprints for you and a couple of shot putters. So I gained four kids just like that. So I, I certainly couldn't do it without those kids. That's awesome. The program wouldn't – it would just you – know, it would just – teeter around 11 or 12 kids i think if, it, if we didn't have them well and talk a little bit about your your practices obviously um didn't get to do a whole lot this year obviously but uh with you being a a, a one-man show and having you know 15 20 plus this year mm-hmm. 40 uh yeah. kids on there how, how are you structuring your plan your, your practices because as as a former travel ball softball coach I needed yeah. as many people on the field as possible because the biggest thing that you hated was kids standing around when they should be doing something else. So how are well, you trying to do some of that yourself? Well, to answer the last part first, um, you know, to not have kids standing around. First of all, in track, it seems like the kids that I get out for track, they want to be there. They want to compete. They want to race. So the incentive is not, you know, being out of shape, the incentive is not in getting yourself embarrassed, you know, when you know you had the time to put in at the meet. So I don't have to motivate them. Uh, it's, you know, baseball and football, you are always screaming and, and getting kids to do things you, um, you, you think they ought to need to be doing, but track, you just don't have that. Those kids want to be out there. They beat me out there. I get out at 315 and my distance runners are already doing their laps and my, you know, shot putters are breaking down their stuff and the jumpers are doing their stuff. So that part of it, I, I don't have to motivate. They're doing it. Now, are there times that you have to go around and they're sitting in a huddle and, you know, they, they get to talking and getting carried away? And I'll just say, you know, you light a fire under them and say, you know, get your stuff done so we can go home. Mm-hmm. Um, but most times they're so motivated themselves. That's very rare. I think maybe I've had to do that one time in four years. That's awesome. Um, as far as track organization, you know, you, you ask the question of how do I get organized with one person? You know, for six weeks, we had about 20 kids out there. And then for about a week and a half there when basketball, um, when they when those kids were done, it really, and the weather got better, there for about a week and a half, a half I had everybody. So um, had I tried to do that, Four years ago, I don't think I would have got it accomplished because four years ago I came into it with the mindset that you need to have a schedule for these kids every day because just like you said, if you don't, these kids are going to be standing around. You're, you're going to be running around with your head cut off. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, when you got juniors and seniors and and mature sophomores, 
you teach it to them, you teach the drill to them, and they get a couple of those young kids under their wing, and you'd be surprised. You can stand there in the middle of the field and just watch every little circle teach each other. Um, so I, I walk around from station to station. It, it is, you know, I like I said, I drove myself crazy that first year trying to do let's say 15 different kids, that's 15 different workouts for three different disciplines out of a possible 20 different events. You know, how do you schedule 45 different practices in one practice? So I quickly just, I got out of that mindset. Um, That's the way I had to run baseball too. And that's the way football is ran very time oriented on a schedule, you know, mass numbers running from station to station. In this case, I walk from station to station and keep them going, and they get their work done. And like I said, we're usually done by 4.30 or 5 o'clock, and they're, you know, they get it done. That's all I can say. That's And that type of leadership amongst the kids, that's something that's uh, sometimes harder to find than it should be in a lot of cases uh, as far as that goes. I think you're right, but I think you'd be surprised when you sit these kids down for the first meeting in the uh, in the spring or early late winter and say, "Look, this is what I expect." You older guys, I want you to take two or three people that you match up with, event wise and personality wise, and teach them, and they'll do it. Uh, they'll do it in a heartbeat. They're mm-hmm. looking forward to that, and uh, so you know, like you said. I got so many quality kids. That's that's pretty easy to do. We're talking with Brian Everett. He's the head coach of the White County High School track and field team right here on Inside the Coach's Headset podcast on ucsportsnation.com. I'm your host, Amos Rogan, and we're brought to you by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Coach, uh, one thing, and I, and I want to make sure that, that we're, we're doing this the right way, Sure. Uh, I, I want to talk about your facilities and, and, and what uh, you'd kind of like to see to improve. But, again, like I said, I want to do it in the right way. I don't want it to come across as saying the school system or the White County High School administration, they don't care about track and field. We know good and well that they do. Um, so right. I, I want to make sure that, that we put that out there first. But uh, there's a lot of cost in terms of track. There, and, and, and There es- is. And especially – the way that the track around uh, Warrior Stadium in Sparta is set up during a football game, that's how you come into the stadium is to walk on the track, which uh, a good track surface, you don't want anybody walking on it. So let's talk a little bit about your facilities and, and what you would kind of like to see to uh, that improved in the future. Well, First off, in, in four years, we've seen uh, the fil- the facilities improve in the, in the manner of um, I asked to, to get a jump pit for um, for long jump, and I, that, I got that. I asked to get a cage for my shot foot and disc throwers. I got that so they weren't, you know, flying disc everywhere and hitting people in the head and, and all that stuff that walk on the track because we do share that track with the community. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Um. We lobbied for the last couple of years to get a high jump pit. And, um, you know, Mr. Drone Barter came through and, uh, coach crane and Mr. Swallows, you know, they, they, they all, all got that going for us. And, uh, we're very appreciative. We've got lots of kids. I think I gained 10 kids just from the high jump pit. 
um, which is a which is a really big expensive thing for you know three pieces of foam and some some other things hooked together. I mean, they're really expensive. I'm sure. Um, but the, the challenges we have at the track, I believe, and I'll, I'll let you know people above me kind of. I, I haven't looked at the dimensions. I know that when you it's it's pretty spot on if you're in the front lane, if you're in the first lane or closest lane to the fence. Mm-hmm. But those those surfaces are very expensive, and you're right, you can't drive on them. You can only walk on them if you have protective stuff over certain areas, or else you'll you know be paying that money again very soon. Um, and I'm not sure about the width with the stadium the way it is. I think we could get five lanes, possibly six lanes in there. Um, I would love to have a surface just so the kids would have a proper surface to run on. But at the same time, um, you know, I'll be real honest. The cost to put on a meet is not just the surface. You're talking about, you know, you're going to have to buy another 100 hurdles. Um, you're going to ha- those are 125 bucks a piece. You're going to have to buy a timing system or nobody's going to come mm-hmm. to your meet. Cookville and Crossville and some of these bigger schools who have great, uh, you know, track programs and Coach Cook and Cookville does a great job and he's got a timing system. Well, that's about a fifteen to $20,000 system. But if you don't have that, you've got to have a host of parents with, you know, accurate thumbs. And and that's a problem because if it's not accurate, you have a guy in third place winning the meet, and uh, and nobody wants to get in that situation. So, um, I would love to have the surface. I'm not sure we're ready to host any kind of meets, um, but the surface would be nice. I just don't uh, I, I just don't know how they would pull that off and what the cost would incur, and if they have thought about what all the other costs would be to actually hold a meet there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, and and that's the reason why I want to kind of bring it out was so when folks listen to this, you know, hey, track is not just y'all go out there and run around uh, or, or, you know, take this shot put and see how far you can throw it. There's there's a lot of things that go into place that uh, cost money and, and, and to do it the right way, and I think everybody wants to do it the right way, for they these do. kids right. and and to be able to do it right there's going to have to be some some things to happen that really affect uh, and i'm and speaking specifically for sparta right now yeah. th- that's going to change how things are done in other sports like football there's a way to get into warrior stadium without having to walk down the track, but not everybody, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people would enjoy doing that, but there is a way changing those types of logistics have to be taken into consideration. It's a, it's not easy. Uh, you know, you you got a field that was built first, then the stadium and then the track. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it wasn't like some of these newer modern places that everything, um, you know they had the money right up front to do everything at one time, and I and I will say this for our for our school board and for our school board leadership and in, in particularly, they really paid attention to the the secondary sports, um, and and really especially at the middle school level first and foremost. Uh, well, boy, they they, they need that. And, oh my goodness. Um, you know I've I've watched some soccer games down there and and watched some middle school baseball games, and. 
man, I, I'm just I'm so for that. I, I have no problem uh, with, with that facility. We, I think, man, I, I could almost see the high school wanting to play on that field. Yeah, I mean the 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 way that everything is set up right now over there, it, it's it's freed up. I think a lot of things in order to give our coaches, uh, not only in White County but from the surrounding counties, to come in and understand. You know, Sparta's a place you go looking, you go look forward to playing now instead of sure. And and think about it. what how how what it's done to the parents, how much it's eased up our lives. Sure, I used to have to go pick up a kid at Finley, pick up a kid at the middle school, rush him over to the baseball field. Uh, <laughs> you know. They were all within a mile of each other, but you still had to do that. Yeah. Um, and and then get back to your sport and coach that sport, and hopefully your kids were you know still hanging around. So I just think from that aspect, not having to worry, you know, my son can walk out of school practice and call me at five thirty. That's a that's a big deal. Yeah, it really is, uh, Coach. I know that um, uh, even though you're heavily involved with. Um, track and field uh, you're also involved with special olympics and i know that's something that's very near and dear yeah. to your heart uh talk to us a little bit about that well I, I got into special olympics how many years ago now 17 teaching probably 15 about third or fourth year of of uh being a teacher um miss benningfield and miss mccully uh needed a, a football coach a flag football coach and, uh, and of course, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. And so we, we got together, and I'd never done anything with Special Olympics before. And uh, like I said, we just uh, we, we put it together, and now we're going on, you know, almost 15 years, I think. We've had mm-hmm. three state championships, four state championships mm-hmm. uh, with flag football, and we have even do track now. We do track and field, unified level. Um, where we actually get a partner and a uh, special Olympian. We do relay, we do shot put, we do long jump, and they can even qualify and go to the state level. But I got involved into all that, you know, 15, 14 years ago with uh, Miss Benningfield, with her leadership at, uh, with Area 9 Special Olympics. And I think you had one and, of the, And proud to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely, and you do a great job. And, and, and I, I want to ask you – Probably one of the coolest things that I think you could ever do was to help a kid and you yourself to a degree step out on stage at the NFL draft to, to announce a draft pick. <laughs> you got to tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. I took some heat from that because if you watch the video from the front, I, it looks like I jumped in front of my, my man, Jordan, <laughs> and cut him off. But I. <laughs> And it looked it looked bad, and I, uh, I apologized to him for that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to what it was like beforehand, two hours beforehand, and they had told us what pick number we were going to have. And if you don't know Jordan Casey, he's a special Olympian uh, for Area Nine shot Great foot, kid. Um, great kid, in track and field. Uh, does everything well and just a great kid and a great backstory if you ever get a chance to do a story on him. But anyway, we, we, we got to go out there and for three hours we're sitting in the, uh, the VIP section and they, the, the, the NFL person coordinator, um, who's from 
from Britain, of all places, um, is texting me, okay, now it's not the 56th pick, it's the this pick. And it's, it, so it just kept changing. And Jordan is getting more nervous and more nervous. And he just keeps saying, you know, Coach, I don't know if I can do this. I, what if I can't, uh, you know, what if I mispronounce the name? What if I, you know, just a lot of what ifs. And I could just see the pressure building and building. I said, man, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And, uh, and lo and behold, we get out there at the pick, and they, they let us know right before um, the name. I mean, it literally comes off the press. They write it down, and it's um, – what was the guy's name? Now I can't even think of it. Um, BC. And it was a, a hard name to pronounce. And when he <laughs> – and Jordan got to that last name. He kind of, kind of poked me there, and uh, <laughs> and and made me say that name. And I, I sounded like I was trying to cut him off. But lo and behold, I Alabasi, Alabasi, and I pronounced it wrong anyway. So um, that's how that went. <laughs> that's that's great. That's you know that's something that that you and Jordan both can always uh, you know look back on from from here on out. And that's they awesome. they treated they treated him like royalty. I'll tell you, it was um, we 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 didn't know how to get to the stage because you know just there were so many people. I think mm-hmm. it was a a record breaking crowd. Yeah, and and so we found some police officers, and I just I, I kind of said, hey, this guy's a very important you know VIP here. We got to get him to the stage, and and we still had time. They rushed us through back alleys. They. They took us the route. They said that they, you know, would take Willie Nelson if he was doing a concert, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, it was it was it was a blast to be with him. And uh, they they really treated him well, and uh, and and boy, NFL and the Titans did just a phenomenal job in representing. They had people meeting us at gates. Um, the Titans ownership uh, sent somebody out there to meet Jordan, and uh, they got to take Jordan back. And the NFL got to show him all the. Um, you know the behind-the-scenes look on the stage and and all that stuff. It was uh, it was just as neat of an experience for me as it was for him, though I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. That's I love how um, you know when it comes right down to it, the, being able to do things like that for kids just to give them that experience that they can never um, they can never forget. You know, I, I'm I'm 41 years old. I remember in eighth grade I was selected. And it's still an honor to me. I participated in the in the uh, laying a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldiers in Washington D.C. Oh, I will, very, very cool. I will never forget that. Just you know, and all I did was literally lay hands on this wreath while this marine literally picked it up for me and moved it because I was afraid to. I was going to drop it. But you know, it, it was just still participating at that level and seeing that up close. It's 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 something that I'll never forget, and I know that is something that Jordan will never forget as well. So yeah, I, I won't either. I, I don't think he will. But it was an outer body experience for real. Um, I, I told him after it was over. I said, "Did you look at the crowd?" And he goes, "Yeah, I looked right at him." And I said, "I didn't. I I just looked down. I don't think I saw anybody in that crowd. <laughs> I'm afraid I would have freeze up on him, but yeah. I was just." Uh, but he he's a champ, man. He's a he's a real deal. He's cool. Well, coach, thank you so much. I I, I want to say this, and I, and I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. I, I appreciate the passion that you have for these kids, whether it be track and field, whether it be Special Olympics. I know that it's genuine. I know that you truly care about these kids, and you're just another example of how great 
of a coaching uh, staff and group of people that we have here in the Upper Cumberland in our high school. So I want to thank you for for joining me, and I also want to thank you for what you do. Well, I, I appreciate it, and I just um, thank you, Mr. Rogan. I, I I just like to give one shout out to all my my seniors that I've lost um, this year. If, if we don't get this thing going, but just, I don't think I can say their names, but maybe I can. That's okay. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I don't care. Um, okay. Um, Bryson Cole, football player. Um, Kagan Dodson, you know, basketball player too. Bradley McBride, another football player. Jack Sparkman, quality kid. Mason Winningham, Mr. Basketball. Um, on the girls' side, Alexandra Miller, uh, who would lead on the band uh, field as well as track and field. And then uh, Candon and Kendry Reeves, two of the nicest kids you're ever going to meet. And Hannah, Miss Hannah Rogan, yours, and, and Kaya Simmons. And did I miss anybody else? Okay. But, boy, going to miss those seniors. It would have been a blast to watch them compete because, you know, six days with them and track all together uh, was any indication it would have been a fun year. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. You've been listening to Inside the Coach's Headset right here on ucsportsnation.com. We're brought to you by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent right here in Cookville. You can call Tony at 528-7079 or once the uh, safer at home and everything kind of gets back to normal, you can go see Tony at 425 East Broad Street in Cookville. Once again, we're on Facebook. Look up Inside the Coach's Headset Podcast in your search bar. You'll see it. Join our group page. Let us know how we're doing, and let us know who you would like to hear from in future episodes. I'm your host, Amos Rogan. Thanks once again. Be blessed. Be safe. Thanks again, Coach, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, sir. Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go inside the coach's headset.